Hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level, a show that takes a look at society's expectations and rejects the ones we don't see it for, all from the perspective of three black queer best friends. I'm one of your hosts, Iman, and today, Tony, Jordan, and I are discussing violence within intimate relationships. What has our experience been with intimate partner violence? What unique factors are in play when violence includes two gay men? This is Kiss with a Fist. Kiss with a Fist. Okay, so serious topic today, but you know, like all black queer people, we're gonna have a little bit of joy in the storm still and play a game. Let's smile a little bit, <laughs> please. So, okay. <laughs> don't take my joy. Never take your joy. Um, so we're gonna start with a, a new version of this or that. Um, we're gonna call it the lesser of two evils. Ooh. Mm. So I'll give you a scenario. Stop, Jordan. Stop looking at the screen, trying to <laughs> trying to pick ahead of time. Mm. Um, and you have to pick one. There is no getting around it. You cannot. You can't plead the fifth. No, you can't plead the fifth. Watch me. What's gonna happen if I don't? <laughs> <laughs> Shall I? What's that? Uh, never mind. All right, so first scenario. Have dinner with Donald Trump or Mitch McConnell? Oh, oh baby girl. Tony. Oh, child. <laughs> wow, no, that's a, that's, why are you going to come to me for that? I don't know. <laughs> that's, oh, the lesser of two evils. And these are two evils. <laughs> you, you, did a, you did a great job on that. I, I know. I'm going to say... I'm going to just say Mitch McConnell. <laughs> that's uh, all she got. Yeah, because I... Jordan? Yeah, I think I'll say Mitch McConnell. I feel like he might go to sleep at dinner. <laughs> and then I can just, you know, use that card, <laughs> swipe them tags. Um, <laughs> I also would say Mitch McConnell, but because I actually would like to have dinner with Mitch McConnell. Oh, because please explain. As much as I, we don't agree on anything, and I hate him, his what he his belief system is, he is a masterful politician. Absolutely. Nobody can use the Senate better than Mitch McConnell. She uses her evil powers for, for evil. For absolute pentacle. T- total destruction. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, as much as I... She's I, like Plankton. <laughs> SpongeBob. much as I hate the girl and what Chum she stands bucket. for, can't, can't deny she's a great politician. All right, next scenario. Instead of Howard, to have attended Hampton or Morehouse, Jordan. <laughs> For you to call these two schools, <laughs> <laughs> the girl's gonna be mad. It's gonna be hate mail. Um, definitely Morehouse. Um, yeah, I just I would need to just be in a bigger city with something going on. I, I imagine that Hampton is just like. In Hampton, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know Atlanta, you could do some other things. You know, oh, you what? can go to Chateau. Well, you see, Chateau. I'm gonna let Jordan, I'm gonna let Jordan tell that story because <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to Morehouse because of uh, the men. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, the Morehouse man. Yeah, I'm on the street, Jordan, and I like I, some Morehouse man. I, res- I respect sometimes. you know I respect because I have friends <laughs> that went I, went I have friends that went to both, but I I kind of love uh, the city of Atlanta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta, <laughs> and you know we have a lot of girlfriends over at Spelman. Be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So. I would say more. Morehouse is actually my second choice for college behind Howard. Clark Atlanta was mine. Ooh. Hampton <laughs> was mine, hmm. <laughs> but I have wisdom. But I'm now. so glad <laughs> that I went to Howard. It's not always about Howard. Anyway, yes, it is. Howard's not the only HBCU. Moving on. Um so, if you were to have caught the coronavirus and you were to have a lingering symptom forever of not being able to smell or not being able to taste, mm. what would you pick? Uh, Jordan? How a lot does that of work? Well, you know, scientifically, 
I was like, <laughs> taste is linked to smell. Right. That's why I was like, how does that work? Girl, just pick the so, fucking answer. <laughs> I don't. I don't like the question. <laughs> don't. Don't matter. <laughs> just not. Because I was going to examine the question too. Can um, I approach the bar? Your maybe, Honor. Maybe the hmm. bench. I, ooh, I don't. Maybe I would. Wait, what? What's the question? <laughs> you are so confused what? right now. I am. Would the, you rather you, not be able to smell or, or not be able to taste? I'd rather not be able to smell. Okay. Sure. Tony. It's nothing worse than not being able to taste your food when you're sick. And we've all yeah, had I'm thinking about like, you know, Ooh, I like a fine dining experience. You know, I need to be able to like, you know, mm-hmm. eat a little something, something. Mm-hmm. Fine dining. Mm-hmm. You like to eat a little something, something. This girl orders Thai every week. She'll be eating <laughs> fine dining. It's the best Thai <laughs> in a four block radius. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, what about you? Uh, uh, smell. I don't need smell no roses, Joe. Um, <laughs> so next, go all summer with no AC or all winter with no heat. Ooh, Tony, I, I I'm I'm gonna choose all summer with no AC because in the winter I cannot be in a freezing cold home, mm. um, and in the summer I can, you know, I'll be be a girl about town. And and go. <laughs> I'll be a girl about town and go visit. Do not look at me like that. <laughs> Jordan's place. I'm gonna come over to Demond's place. Come to my house, trying to use up my AC. I'll find some dates, like mm. some dates with AC. <laughs> yeah, very expensive dates. Jordan, <laughs> uh, definitely. I can I can go without AC. I've done that many years in my life. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I can't be cold though because I will like literally cry and shut and, down. I yeah. would go without the heat. Cause I feel like I could put more blankets and stuff on, but if I get too hot in my house in the summer, you just hot. Ooh, you ever once had you cold get naked, you just hot. Uh-uh. <laughs> you could, you could, you could, you know, run, get into a cold shower or something, <laughs> get some ice cream. <laughs> All right, uh, spend the rest of your life in a physically monogamous relationship with a total top or total bottom. Jordan. <laughs> That's interesting. Spend the rest of my life, <laughs> um, a total bottom. Tony. The rest of my life. Why <laughs> the girls acting like they can't hear it now? It's definitely not ideal. <laughs> but if I had to choose one. If I had to choose one, I'm going to choose a total top. Same. Because you ain't going to be. <laughs> Girl. You ain't going to be what? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Would you rather debate Beyonce with the beehive or Nicki Minaj with the barb? Tony. Wait. Would you rather debate <laughs> about Beyonce with the beehive or Nicki Minaj with a barb? I'd rather debate about something that has... No, you only have two <laughs> options. Like to stand on. You only have two options. <laughs> I'm getting there. Oh. I'd rather, I'd rather debate... Like, I'm de- if I'm debating with the, the beehive mm-hmm. about Beyonce, I'm, I'm for Beyonce. Or against? Or against. So either way... Just I'd in rather, the debate. Yeah, I'd rather debate about all things Beyonce versus... Um, uh, what's her face? <laughs> no, I like Nicki Minaj. Um, but I don't want to debate about, uh, d- debate about her. No, Jordan. Mm-mm. I don't want the smoke from the barbs. So <laughs> Beehive is fine with me. Yeah, if I could never speak to a barb again in my life, it'd be fine. Okay, well that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, this, and this is now, Jordan's last no, scene. This his is, last. This season. is my last episode. <laughs> I'm actually a very, you know. Culture, uh, Bob. She has cursed me out about Nicki Minaj. Um, <laughs> you deserved it. We got two more. All right. So only drink rail liquor Ooh, or, the other one. or or boxed wine <laughs> <laughs> or Carlos Rossi. Carlos <laughs> Rossi. Jordan. Ooh. The ghetto. Boxed wine. 
Yeah, absolutely box wine. I could tolerate that. I, <laughs> I feel like I get sick trying to. You're going to get sick on Belikoff too? No, 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 no. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm saying the box wine, I feel like I could make my way through that. Oh, I could yeah. do some Colorado. <laughs> I could, you could judge you, it up. I can make some sangria. <laughs> right. You can make some cranberries into something. Turn into a spritz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. And this is this is a little throwback. Mm. Earth-shattering romance with uncertainty or even-killed affection with stability? Even-killed affection with stability. Yeah, stability. I, I agree with that because stability is important to me. So Absolutely. Not I don't, wrecking my life. I don't want nothing earth-shattering. It ain't that. <laughs> it's not that stunning. Um, <laughs> I'm going with earth-shattering romance. Great. I don't, don't want to be bored. I told y'all that in the first episode. Bored, you bored, you bored. You'd have a bad romance. I could shatter my life. <laughs> okay, so we are going to move into a discussion um, around experiences we've had in relationships and experiences generally that are tied to a lot of people around uh, domestic violence and what that looks like for people. So, sp- like, starting more generally... Do you think there are unique factors uh, that drive specifically queer men to engage in violence uh, in relationships? So, Tony, maybe we start with you. Uh, well, that's the the way you ask that question is is interesting because the the gays are a unique species, right? So, <laughs> um, there's a lot of different you know factors that might you know be thrown into that are variables as to why gay men might engage in in violence um gay on gay violence but i i do i do think that everyone's a human being and i think like with taking the gay out of it like just men and, and women are different um indiv- individually as well so there's testosterone that comes into play like there's the alpha male there's all that stuff but i think in terms of the violence a lot of that has to do with the upbringing in my opinion um and what you're exposed to as a child. And I, I think that just in g- generally speaking, a lot of how people move as adults has to do with how they were raised as as um, children and how they were, you know, how they come through life and the things that they've learned and the experiences that they've had. So I don't know if there's anything that unique mm-hmm. um, that I could pinpoint, but that's, that's where I think my answer lies in is just like the upbringing. So... Uh, Jordan, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that there is a perception of less consequences mm-hmm. um, when there's violence between gay men. Um, I think that there are very clearly under it's very clearly understood that if a man and a woman who are in a relationship get into violence, there are very clear legal and societal consequences for the man. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I think when it comes to male on male violence. I think it's easier to not address it or just chalk it up to boys being boys or just call it simply a fight. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I think that a lot of gay men um, are they probably grew up with this like fight or flight sort of mentality, whether or not they had to defend themselves against bullying. I also think that boys are encouraged more to, quote unquote, stand up for themselves, whereas I think that women are sometimes taught more so to be ladylike and to not fight. So I just think that overall, like, violence is probably going to show up more with men 
I could be Listen, wrong, you but talk it to, feels you like talk that. to a, a, a girl from the Bronx so, or from, from Brooklyn. Fucking New York. <laughs> well, New York is a very different yeah. moment. Or Chicago, a lot of these cities, child. <laughs> I, there's a lot of women would would right beat your ass. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, no, I, I think I agree with a lot of the sentiment Jordan just mentioned. I think men are raised in this um, in society. It's like you settle things through fisticuffs. We're like. And if you're fighting, like you, like I remember being a kid, and my, and, and my dad would be like, if I'm like, oh, he hit me, I'm afraid. He's like, well, no, you need to go outside and handle that. And I'm like, he's bigger than me. He's just like, why do you think I got all them bats in the garage? Oh my God. And I remember, like, it was just this thing about like, don't come home crying to me about mm-hmm. you are fighting. He's like, you need to handle that. And I think that's the thing that a lot of men uh, in our community have had to unlearn, but I think it's also something that people haven't unlearned and then take into relationships. Yeah. And you think, oh, I need to settle a dispute by being the strongest one or being the, the most alpha male, as you mentioned, Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely think that's a dynamic that plays into queer relationships between men. Right. I mean, emotions run high in, yeah. in, in queer relationships. Mm-hmm. But specifically talking about men, when those emotions run high, sometimes the circumstance drives you to act out of character. You mm-hmm. might not be a person that's ever been violent or like has physically, you know, been in an altercation with someone. But in that relationship, you came undone mm-hmm. because of uh, the emotion involved in it. And that does take you to a place. I can say that. Yeah. Um, so if anyone here ever had like a personal experience with domestic violence in relationships, uh, Tony, do you want to start? I can start uh, because fortunately for me, no one has ever put their hands on me mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't permit, <laughs> um, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> I didn't. I so. But that being said, though, I I have been in two situations that I'll that I'll talk about um, that I think are a form of violence, but not necessarily physical, but more like on the on the mental side. So there was a time when I was in in college and there was a guy that a younger guy that I was messing with and he I guess came from a broken home and when I kind of was like through with him like it was giving I'm on to the next I don't want to be involved he was very emotional about it and and spoke to me like you're all I have I don't have anyone else Mm -hmm. how could you do this to me and he would literally it became harassment like he was calling me um, telling me that Basically, he was going to harm himself. I was fearful that he might, like, commit suicide or something. Mm-hmm. And it, that was very difficult for me to deal with because I, while I didn't want to deal with him and I wasn't um, handling it in a way that was like, well, fuck you, you know, I was just being like, this is this is done. This is yeah. over. We have to move on. It scared me that I thought that he might take his life because of me. But then I had to completely remove myself from the situation. Um, and just be like, if whatever he decides to do and and take into his own hands is actually, it's not my fault. So that's one situation where I think it was a little bit more mentally, you know, a, more of a mental struggle and challenge for me. The other situation is just when you're, I've been in, re, in situations with guys where I feel like they're, uh, like, what's the, what's the thing about lying? Um, Habitual. habitual liar or you know they just mm-hmm. it's so for me it's like i'm catching you in these lies and you when i confront you about lies you're constantly making it 
seem out to be to be that I'm like imagining things. Like I saw things I imagined given Solange. Mm-hmm. And I think that <laughs> and I think mentally that takes a toll when you're when you're with someone and they're constantly making you out to be the bad guy when you're bringing up facts yeah. and when you know the truth about things. Gaslighting. Oh, and and for me I, I you feel stuck. You feel like what's going on? Am I imagining things? Um so it's more on the on the physical, I mean on the mental side because I think that's also like we automatically think about you know physical harm but there's mental that's involved that's also a strain yeah jordan um yes i have been in a uh physic physically violent situation mm-hmm. with a um with a partner in the past um it only happened once but it happened mm-hmm. all right um and yeah i've had multiple situations that uh, have have become physically violent um, once with someone I was dating that was a one-off situation and in a time where I decided I didn't want to be with him anymore and it turned into like him having a total meltdown and becoming violent towards me uh, and once in a long-term relationship where things happened over time and continuously not always consistently but definitely not a one-time thing and led to really fucking me up in a lot of ways I think mm-hmm. in that experience and <clears throat> trying to 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 figure myself out um I think in like to pivot a to touch oftentimes people ask like are there red flags are there things that yeah. you may have seen from a partner or from someone you were dating uh less closely that did you ignore something do you feel like um, th- there was something maybe let's start with you Jordan that you could have seen that foretold that something like that would come yeah, I mean yeah mm. the writings were on the wall it wasn't even like a red flag it was a red billboard mm. um, blaring it was it was I, I'm, I'm actually I, <laughs> yeah um, yeah I, I think that there were a lot of red flags um, a lot of which I actually brought up with the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the person was open with me about their history with violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I and I brought up, I, I was like, it sounds like you're the issue. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, I brought that up, but for some reason, I like, you guys know me. Like, I, I won't engage in a altercation to the point where I feel like it'll get violent. Like mm-hmm. I typically will just be like, okay, well I'm leaving. Yeah. And I had this mentality that like, okay, like you may have been violent before, but it's not going to happen with me because mm-hmm. I know how to diffuse situations. And if the situation isn't diffusing, I know how to leave. Yeah. Um, and I think that the reason why I ignored it is because um, even though, you know, he had this, this experience with violence that he told me about and Mm -hmm. I heard it with my real ears um it was just like a very intense relationship Mm -hmm. um very short relationship but very intense he treated me like I was the only guy in the world and at this time I was in college and I had never really experienced that level of affection Mm -hmm. um and I think that I got sort of I became sort of um, reliant on that level of attention. Mm. Um, and when I didn't necessarily reciprocate, you know, that same level of intensity, I think that that's where the disconnect and the anger started coming in. Yeah. Ooh. That, 
trauma. Mm-hmm. Like that's um and do you, I mean but do you think that that had anything to do with like if you weren't feeling it as much as he was for him to get to a level of and in, in which he responded to you like kind of not reciprocating like did you think that that was your fault did you feel like I should probably lean in love him more like I should fake the funk I I actually did stay in the relationship uh for a little bit longer than I wanted to but it was out of fear mm. um I and similar to um, one of Demond's experiences, the violent act happened um, after I, you know, wanted to leave right. the relationship, and um, immediately when I expressed that I wasn't interested in staying in the relationship, that's when I started getting threats for bl- like to blackmail me, um, essentially just sort of like tell everybody that I know that or that I was gay. This happened to me in in college, so. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I I stayed for a little bit longer, but it was um, in an effort to protect my the the, the privacy of my sexuality. Mm, um, that makes sense. And then also to figure out a better way to remove this guy from my life. Right. And I thought that maybe if I had a little bit more time, I could figure out a way to get out of the relationship in a way that didn't make him as upset. Yeah. Right. Well, I think, like you said it, we, we always see the signs, don't we? Um, or, or sometimes we don't. But I think a, a lot of times we, there, are, there are breadcrumbs that are left. There, there are things that, like personally speaking, for me, with one situation, I felt like I was in a bit of a bubble where certain things I didn't really see or wasn't privy to. And in that case, I didn't. But then I had friends around me slowly but surely tell me this was going on, like, Friends that didn't want to say anything initially, but later on came and said, I have to tell you this as a friend, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I love your love and I want you to be happy, but I would be remiss if I don't, and a bad friend, if I don't let you know what I'm seeing. And so I started to see things on my own after that. And then I would confront the person I was with and things were flipped on its head and it was pit, 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 it pit me against myself to make me question, like, yeah. What what I was thinking and I chose to ignore and brush things under the rug because no relationship is perfect and I feel like in order to build something you got to work through those those thoughts and those times right. and that's a part of building that strong union. Um getting over those humps and that is what makes you stronger, but at the same time it could hold you in a bad situation. Yeah. Demond, what about you? I think I actually don't feel like there were red flags. Um I think that and for me, this is part of the complexity of this conversation. Um, I think we always assume that abuse or an abusive person looks like a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's the boogeyman or like it's like if it's Ike and Tina or it's like you you see this like evilness bubbling under with a person. Yeah. And I think sometimes, at least in my experience, what had happened is that the current situation manifests itself that way. Not like some long festering thing that I could tie the experience to. Um, And what I actually saw was the, the bigger issue that I had in my relationship was not about ignoring things in the beginning, but once I knew what was happening at that point, not recognizing when something was broken beyond repair. Mm -hmm. That's important. I, I think that I kept trying to 
fix a situation to the point where there was I was afraid of my partner, mm-hmm. and there were there we'd get into like just a normal tift, like not even an argument, and I just remember being deathly afraid of like what could happen or what this could spiral into, um, and I think being in that place was just something that I. I in hindsight's always twenty twenty. It was just like that was the point when I could have should have walked away. Right. Yeah. Um. And I think it, it kind of leads into our next question about having returned in a relationship that became physically abusive, or what led to that decision. Um. I guess it's about me now since everyone else <laughs> seemed to yeah because I was getting ready to say walk to, away to, and to return yeah. to a situation like I, I would have to be digmatized or <laughs> like something like that no, but it's not it, this is interesting so I was reading an article in the New York Times a few months ago uh, and Cori B- uh, Bush sorry mm-hmm. she um, is a new in the freshman House representative from she's a Black Lives Matter activist from Missouri, mm-hmm. and after the Twigs story came out about Shia LaBeouf, mm-hmm. they wrote an article and she was interviewed about her experience with abuse and she mentioned something that I'd never really thought about um, the the idea of coercive control and people mm-hmm. and people always like oh you were in an abusive relationship or things were happening to you why didn't you just walk away and she was saying she got they were in this cycle of the partner being abusive towards her Mm -hmm. she obviously becoming upset and then the partner turning that abuse onto themselves and then even in that scenario even though you are the person feeling like this violence or this 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 trauma towards you you still love that person like that and you then at that point become the person like oh are you okay and then kind of the cycle goes around and around in that way um and I, and I think people often oversimplify the topic and believe that because this happened, then you immediately hate a person. Well, I, but I'm thinking more so along the lines of like, what's going on with yourself where you like, what's, what's your own trauma that you feel like you are not worthy of having better, uh, of going back to a situation and or finding a new situation without that abuse i i i kind of that's where my mind is going is like that introspection of like what's going on with the person that goes back to a situation like that well i think that's putting the the pressure and the onus on the wrong thing i think i i I think that unless you, you don't think that's valid that there's some I, trauma that you that uh, in the individual might have. No, that I they think I think it's maybe valid. Not have confronted for themselves. I think it's valid, but I think the experience of abuse and the experience of going around in a cycle with someone you care about who is also inflicting harm mm-hmm. is something that will have you very mixed up in how you think you should react to things. Um, I think that we often assume that. If somebody do this to me, I ain't taking it and blah, blah, blah. It's just like that, yes, that level of power you want to own and you want to have, but that's very theoretical. I think when you are in maybe years down the road with someone and then it it turns in a way that becomes very negative quickly and you almost don't even realize it's happening. Like you you can get stuck in something and and not recognize that you are losing so much of the person that you should be. 
or the person mm-hmm. that you think you are, that you are, are losing some of the value that you should prescribe upon yourself. Um, and I think that in a lot with a lot of complex relationships, you can find yourself in a, in a in a place where you feel super fucking lost, and you are invested in hopefully trying to help someone else and not really even thinking about yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can agree with that because even though I never I never entered and re-entered a relationship with the guy that I was telling the story about earlier, I did go back and see him. Um, maybe four or five times over the course of a few years after the violent incident. Mm-hmm. And one time even like driving five hours to see him. Um, and a part of it was feeling like he needed me, you know? Mm-hmm. And and, that, and he made that very clear in the endless text messages and emails and everything else. And I did feel bad and I did incorporate or I did consider you know, his family life and all the the things that he was dealing with. It, I didn't see him as just this violent person. I saw him as this person that like really needed help and didn't have anyone. Yeah. And um, a part of me felt needed. A part of me felt selfish that I felt so needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that sort of... Um, I, I, I sort of convinced myself that maybe I could try again and maybe I can just like figure out new ways to avoid disagreements or arguments. And I mean, long story short, I took that five hour drive and I came back. I did a round trip within 90 minutes because we got into like right. an argument that was turning into an aggressive situation. But isn't that a part of like that cycle? Like Damon was kind of describing is it because of the situation and the love that's involved you psych yourself out by thinking like they you think that they they need you in order to exist and because you love them you go back to a situation and it's it's kind of like oh now i'm back to you know square one yeah where i didn't want to be um, but square one could be where you want it to be like that like i think that's the part of the cycle that's the the the, the really complex part like you can go around like be abused, someone turns violence toward themselves, then you feel empathy and sadness for them, and then they start becoming the nice person that they were, and then you're back in the place of like seeing the good parts of that person. But that's what I'm saying. It, like but, that person has issues and you're roped it it, ro- it ropes you into their cycle because they haven't dealt with their shit. You ha- you might have your own shit too, mm-hmm. but you're 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 in their cycle. Like yeah. they they are you know, turning those wheels. Yeah. Like, do you think that uh, someone receiving abuse bears fault in the situation? I believe that in every situation, there are two contributing sides to, to you know, to mm-hmm. to it. Um, both parties are giving a level of energy to the situation. Obviously, you know, everyone brings their own baggage. Um, but... I think it really it depends on that. Like I, I can't. I don't know if I can give a, a straight answer on yeah. if the person being abused is, you know, bears any of the fault because I really, I think it really is situational. Um, but that's why I think it's important. Like you guys know better than me because you've been to therapy. So mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to learn who we are and learn what baggage we're bringing to the table so that we can identify that baggage. And be upfront about that baggage, and that allows you to exist 
with someone else in a more clear, aware state of mind. So, Jordan, what about you? Um, I think a vast majority of the time, the answer is no. Um, that's my opinion. Uh, I, I see a lot of self-help resources that says it's not your fault. Um, but there are times where I do feel like um, someone receiving abuse could be at fault. And the one thing that I want to focus on today is um, people who initiate violence um, but lose the fight. So they're viewed as the victim mm -hmm. of abuse. Um, I have a huge issue with that. Um, I think that everyone needs to keep their hands to themselves. You should not think that because you are the smaller one, and I'm talking about gay relationships specifically, mm -hmm. because you are the smaller one, because you are the more feminine presenting one, whatever, whatever reason you put in your head why the other person shouldn't hit you back or hit you as hard, it's not... It doesn't hold any weight for me. I think that everybody needs to um, keep their hands to themselves. And um, I'm, I'm not saying, I, I absolutely do not wish violence on anyone. Um, but I, I think that we all have um, a responsibility to not initiate violence. Um, so I, I just wanted to make that point because I think that a lot of times when you look at, you know, you abuse situations, you assume that the person that suffered more injury, more physical injury, um, should be the person that receives more sympathy or the person that's the victim. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, while I think that vast majority, you know, there is no uh, there is no good reason to give to, to, to be violent with someone else. I think that those like those little instances, we need to, like, make sure that we're holding people accountable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that humans at the end of the day you have to take responsibility for your own safety because that's what you can control mm -hmm. um and sometimes that's fucking hard i think you can get stuck in something because you care about a person and put your own safety up be below their pain and i think like i found myself in relationship where it had gotten violent and i just started to do things where I felt like I was losing myself in acting out of character. Like I yeah. uh, stepped out of or cheated on, on my boyfriend with a friend. Mm -hmm. Like I became so fucking nasty and we would fight for hours and just scream and scream and scream. Mm. Um, and like there was this desire to feel some level of power in the situation. I think mm -hmm. in cheating there was this desire to feel like I have agency over my own body. And I think being male and being constantly told that like you are growing up and you're like you are physically strong or you're supposed to be physically dominated like all all the bullshit that's fed into us when you as a man because of that feel like you're not in control of like your like your physical self yeah it will fuck with you in a way that was just like okay well i'm gonna mess around with this person just because i want to do something that is has no you have no control over mm -hmm. um and that to me was something that really fucked me up and I just remember taking a look at myself one day and going like what am I becoming as a result of this right like where is my belief or value system or how I want to treat people period how that is getting so lost in this because I'm not taking the space to step away for me and to be responsible for the, the way that I want to move throughout the world mm -hmm. yeah 
Um, and that that was really a really, really hard um, lesson for me. Um, and I think it, it kind of moves into like, do we think is the is the topic taken less seriously because it's two men? Like, mm-hmm. are, are we not valuing it in the same way that we to Jordan's earlier point around sexual sexual relationships between a man and a woman? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan, maybe let's keep to you this time. Yeah, I mean, I said it earlier. I think that when it's two men, a lot of times it's labeled as a fight. And I think that when it's between a man and a woman, it's labeled as abuse. And I think that that small nuance and and terminology establishes which one should re- should should receive more sympathy and more urgency and more attention. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that even, you know, relationships that are abusive um, between men and women, like the man, like his life goes up in flames, as it should. Um, There should be severe consequences, but I think that in these uh, male-on-male relationships, sometimes it seems like it didn't even happen. Yeah. Hmm. Tony? Um, I I think that as it pertains to to it not being like this topic not being taken seriously in relationships with, between two men like first of all this is a, a conversation that's not so openly had yeah. um i yeah. i have and you guys have we have a ton of uh gay male friends and i have rarely like outside of my conversations with like you Damon, and, and you jordan but like beyond that this is a conversation that i'm i've not had um, with others, and we know that intimate partner violence is prevalent in our community. Um, you know, for example, I found a st- one of the last major studies that the CDC did talked about uh, domestic violence in the U- in United States. That twenty six percent of gay men said that they experienced physical uh, violence or stalking or rape by their partners, and I don't know if that number is up or down since the study took place but 26 percent may sound like a small amount but in the grand scheme of things it's a lot more than what people are giving credit to and so i'm just proud of us for bringing this to the forefront and for you guys to outwardly talk about um the experiences you had with intimate partner violence because it's important and yes I obviously I do agree with what Jordan is saying. Like when it's man and woman, it's viewed as one thing. When it's two guys, it's viewed as it's just a fight. But I think the more that we normalize these conversations and bring them to light, the more that they, that it can be visible and it can be seen as what it is. So hopefully the narrative can start to change um, and we can be having these, these types of conversations more openly. Yeah. Come I on, what do you think? I mean, I don't have much to add to that i think the shit happens i think let's be more open about discussing it let's take people seriously when they are brave enough to discuss it and let's not have as much shame if you feel like you've gone through that in a relationship and you're like you're not less of a man or less of a person because like what does it really mean to be a man we're all just human Mm -hmm. um and and that's what i have to say and I, i want to close with something that we try and uplift so Mm -hmm. are there things that we would say to someone who is maybe currently experiencing violence or in the process of healing um, either from our experiences or just how we view uh, the world so Jordan we can start 
Um, I I want to give um, advice specifically to people who have left a violent relationship and um, are maybe dealing with ongoing harassment um, or stalking. Document everything. Um, and I, I say that because a lot of states, um, they don't protect people against cyberstalking. And it sometimes can be very difficult to get a restraining order. And um, I've seen too many stories of you know, people not getting the proper protection for people who from people who are harassing them and stalking them and popping up at their jobs and, mm -hmm. you know, breaking into their homes. And if you don't have that documentation to get that restraining order, it just leaves you open to a lot of violence. And um, I, you know, I started the, the 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 process of getting a restraining order in my past situation and it was difficult for me. So I think that, you know, I. I, I, I was lucky I didn't have a restraining order and it, it, it worked out for me. But I think that you you, sh you probably should not bank on the problem going away on its own. Um, your safety is should be your number one priority. And I, I would just, you know, say to be very, very active and very proactive about making sure that you protect yourself. Because even if you love this person, even that person loves you, that doesn't always translate into creating a safe space for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those things can exi exist at the same time. They can. Like that's the that's the hard the that's the hardest part. Yeah, most stalking cases are actually with someone who you have a strong relationship with. Yeah. Mm. Not from a total stranger. Right. Mm. Tony. Yeah, I I think I would just empower individuals to find the value in themselves, know that they are worthy, that they're deserving of better and more, that they're they don't have to be stuck in a situation do whatever you can to try and find a confidant, a sacred circle, a resource, someone to talk to, uh, because you'll find that there are a lot of people out there that want to help, that are willing to help, but that might not necessarily know what's going on or know to what extent or detail and may not want to insert themselves. But take that first step, and that first step can lead to change for the rest of your, your life. So, um, so I have two things I would say. Um, the first is actually it has nothing to do with the people in said relationship, but I kept thinking for for my own sanity, for people who are not in relationships, to be very mindful of what they say to people in a relationship, mm -hmm. and this is positive or negative things, like complimenting someone on like oh i love you guys together or mm -hmm. so on and so forth when behind closed doors one of those people could be being abused mm -hmm. um yeah people like i have a personality that's can be very dry humor like unfriendly at times sure and like people jokingly like people that know me will say things like oh i don't know how such and such puts up with you like that you must be driving them crazy meanwhile mm -hmm. There were all these things happening that no one knew anything about that could be driving that negative feeling I had towards that person or whatever it may be. Um, so I think that to just be super mindful of how you approach people who are in a relationship and what you say to them, just because they may be carrying a burden about things that they don't want to talk about publicly and you're adding to that burden with your expectations and your ideas of like what you think they are. Right. Um, and the second thing I would say for someone who has been through an abusive 
experience is to forgive. And I want to be very clear about what I mean by this. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't mean go back to that relationship. It doesn't mean that you have to necessarily be honky-dory with that person ever in your life again. Um, What I would say is that carrying around hate and vitriol and negativity towards a person will affect you. Yes, And Mm -hmm. I think coming to terms with saying, hey, this is a part of my life that I've lived. I think most recently where I saw it, Played on Big Way, we watched the Tina Turner documentary and she was saying that, yes, that Ike was a part of my life, a part of my life I don't like to think back on, Mm -hmm. but it happened and now that he's dead, she's like, I don't hate him. I don't want to carry that because when you hate somebody and you you are carrying that that toxicity in you, it affects you. It affects you and how you live and reflect with yourself personally and if you want to enter a new relationship going forward. Right. Um, And the... Second part of that, I would say forgiveness f- towards yourself. I spent a lot, a lot of time being hard on myself trying to figure out why I let this happen, why I put myself in this scenario where this could go on, why I kept going back to it. And it's just like I had to do the work through, you t- mentioned it through therapy, mm-hmm. through a lot of personal experience and time um, to really stop being hard on myself and uh, uh, understanding that. I lived my life in a way. There were lessons that I learned from it. Uh, And going forward, I hope that I can keep a level of clarity in entering relationships and being around people that um, reaps the fruit of learning that lesson and implying it going forward. Yep. Powerful. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's all the time that we have this week. Please let us know what your questions and comments are on this topic on Instagram at Surface Level Podcast or our official website, surfacelevelpodcast.com. We'll be responding to your feedback in our video series, Surface Level Sound Off, on Instagram and YouTube. If you found value in today's topic, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you or someone you know is experiencing intimate partner violence, please visit our website or our Instagram for more resources. And remember, stay curious.